0: Together we will raise, lead and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand as people join with us online at home and around the world. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, Just as a quick reminder about our offering, Uh, if you'd like to give uh, in the offering this morning, you can do so on the way out of the doors. There'll be people there with buckets, and you can put in your cash or check. There's uh, envelopes in the seat pockets in front of you. If you'd like to do something special because of uh, this being Mission Sunday, you can do that as well. Just mark it as missions on your uh, envelope there. Or you can use the, uh, the app. A lot of people use the app to give anyway or have signed up for online giving. But even if you've done online giving for something special and above beyond, you either need to give that way or online. You go to the little app. You push the little heart down there. It's a give button. In this case, we did hit degree in Bay campus. You stick in the amount. And then under the fund, you would put Missions, boom, and, and then you give. So a very simple way you can get that out, the Celebration app on your phone. Thanks for helping to support the missions work that we're doing. It was a great update that we got from Keith for those things. All right, this morning, <clears throat> I am starting a series of messages that one way or another is uh, connected to this whole COVID thing and all the challenges and questions that people have for it. Uh, next week we'll be, uh, answering a lot of the real intense questions people have, but we're going to start out this morning, just, uh, trying to understand, trying to understand the Bible when it talks about things that affect us in our lives. We're going to start with Acts, the 17th chapter. Now the book of Acts, you go to the new Testament, you have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you've got the book of Acts, Acts, A-C-T-S of the apostles. This is the record of what they did as they started the church. And then all the letters to the church are after that. So this is in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. It says, when Paul and his companions have passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. I was talking about the first service. uh, Isn't that the name of the uh, girlfriend of Prince in Purple Rain? (laughs) (laughs) Apollonia. Uh, Anyway, uh, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was his custom... Paul went into the synagogue and on three consecutive Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving <clears throat> that Jesus had to suffer, that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. A lot of that part of the Bible, they just weren't catching because they weren't looking for it. They just wanted the version of the Messiah that comes and sets them all free, right? Because they've been oppressed for so long. And, uh, and Paul said, no, you look at it, he had to suffer in the first place, the suffering Messiah. So he says, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Well, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But the other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Sounds like a lot of leftist cities in our country today. But anyway, <clears throat> they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. And they are all defying Caesar's decrees. They weren't doing that, but that's what they said. Because they were talking about another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So they had to stand trial. We never do find out what happens to them. But Going on, uh, as soon as it was night, the believers sent uh, Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character. I want you to understand that more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. Now stop and think about this. Goes to Thessalonica. He speaks to these people. and They go, yeah, cool. They receive the message. They come to Berea and they check the Bible to see if what Paul's saying was really true. And the Bible says they were praised as more noble than the Thessalonians. The idea that you would think, gee, if I preach, y'all just believe everything I say. And if I know Pastor, I need to check the Bible and see that these people would be better than these. No, the Bible says these would be better than these. It's more noble. It's something we're supposed to do. Do not just buy into something because someone says the Bible says it. <clears throat> and if it sounds a little, Ugh, it usually is, you know, I mean, you might find out, okay, the Bible really does say that, then great you've become more wise, but man, just don't take things hook, line and sinker. People been doing this for ages and it just drives me crazy. Uh, as I'm going to be speaking about some of this this morning, um, the, you know, w- one of the things, you know, every so many years, some nitwit comes along and says that he has discovered the mathematical formula hidden in the Bible. And I know the day Jesus is coming back. It's going to be November 23rd. This coming November three o'clock in the afternoon. And the people run around in a panic and just all coming unglued. Is Jesus really coming back? And you tell me that, I'm going to not think nice things about you. You know, I will smile, but I'm thinking you're a moron. All right. Don't buy into that. <clears throat> Jesus said, No one will ever know. So as soon as someone says, I know, don't we have a problem? If Jesus says, No one will ever know, guys, well, no, I figured it out. This guy's wrong. All right, and this happens every so many years, and sometimes these guys sell millions of books and get rich over people's stupidity, and people just get in a lather. Study the scriptures. Be like the Bereans, a more noble character who checked it out to see if it was true. Even if I get up here and say something, just don't buy it. If it doesn't sound right to you, go check out the scriptures and see if what I said is true. Okay, fine. And by the way, if you've run into something and say, well, I don't know if that's true, let's talk. <laughs> Maybe you can straighten me out. I don't know. Nobody's perfect, right? So anyway, I want you to show a couple of things that are, have been in Christian culture over the years that are in direct contradiction to the Scriptures. Yet evangelical Christians, uh, in particular, because the, you know we're, we believe in the Bible, it's all about the Bible, and then we say things that blatantly go against the Bible. In fact, Christians have been famous for quoting parts of the Bible to back up something they're saying, but they'll quote a part that absolutely contradicts what they're saying. And it's rather stunning, I think. Doesn't anybody read this, did they not get it? Now, one of these things, I mentioned Wednesday night, is this idea that, uh, you know, young men and young women, that young girls shouldn't make any moves toward the boys and let the boys do everything. Even if you're an older single one, let the man pursue, pursue, pursue. And literally, girls should make eye contact with boys and just stay away and make him come after you. And, oh, it sounds great in a chick flick, but it's just not reality. (laughs) In fact, I saw a survey that said, the majority of relationships, uh, the survey said, actually, she started this. (laughs) You know, that's really the norm. So they quote, no, no, don't, don't do anything like that. You know, just, 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 you know, just be quiet let the man pursue you. You want, a, you want a relationship like Ruth and Boaz? And of course, these are all people who've never read Ruth and Boaz. So I want to take a little look at it this morning and show you example one of where this is off the trail. Um, we pick it up in Ruth, the uh, third chapter. Now, so far, what we have here is Ruth and Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, married to her, his, her sons, whatever, die. And Naomi's husband dies, so there's two widows. And they come to uh, Israel. And uh, so far, now she's thinking, I need to find someone for Ruth. Okay, she's a young woman. And we need to find a guy for her. Now, in those days, if you don't know this, it gets a little confusing. In those days, there was a strict Culture in who gets to marry a widow, and it was usually a relative, uh, and they would have first dibs, and it was all lined up to you know see who was there. Well, Boaz was this older guy that uh, they were interested in, and for the record, Boaz was not the next one in the line, even in this case, there was another guy in line. You don't find that if you don't read it and see. So, but they got their eyes on Boaz, they wanted him, you know. So up to this point, uh, Ruth had been working in his fields, and Boaz sees her, oh, hi. (laughs) And they sit down, and they have lunch, and they're chatting and stuff. Well, Boaz, he's thick as a brick. He's not getting any of this. So we pick it up at chapter 3. Naomi, the mother-in-law, says to her, my daughter, I need to get some security for you. I need to find you a man so that it may be well with you. So here is our kinsman, Boaz. He's in the line. He's not the next one in line. She skips over that. But, you know, this is uh, the guy that, w- that you've been working with, these young women that have been working in this field. See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now, this is what I want you to do. She's got the plan. And by the way, single girls, if you're dating and stuff, don't get dating advice from your single girls who are as ignorant as you are, for heaven's sakes. It's like asking someone about how to drive a car n- who's never driven a car, right? You want some good dating advice? Talk to married women. They've actually done this. They have a clue. And they actually enjoy (laughs) getting into your little world, giving you advice. So this is what Naomi, who knows how to do this, is giving her advice. So here's the plan. I want you to get washed, clean it up, anoint yourself. Other translations say uh, perfume. Put perfume on so you're smelling good. All right? If you want to catch fish, you got to smell like bait, right? So just, yeah. Get all smelly and stuff and put on your best clothes. Woo! Which, by the way, is a pet peeve of mine. When I talk to young girls all the time about because they always want to know, you know, how how do I get somebody's attention? Get dressed up, look nice. You got one shot at a first impression, you know. But I know y'all watch these chick flicks where the girl walks around looks like a cat dragged her in from outside, and the boy eventually asks her out, and then she gets all dressed up so that when she comes walking down the steps, he goes, "What?" Wow, right? Yeah, it should be wow the first time he sees you. Now, you can always up your game from there, but just, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a reason there's so many single women in our churches. It's this goofy thinking that we have, especially when they're not supposed to be paying attention to any boys. Yeah, you're gonna be single to your 98, all right? So, now I'm not advocating go tackle some boys. Marry me, I'm not saying that. But you got to do something. All right, this other thinking is nonsense. So he gets a plan. Get smelling pretty. Clean it up. Put on some nice clothes. Go to the threshing floor where this guy's going to be. But don't make yourself known to the man. In other words, hide. <laughs> okay. Uh, and until he's finished eating and drinking. Then when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and then go uncover his feet and lie down and then he'll tell you what to do. So she was very positive. This is all going to work out. She doesn't know this, but this one, she's very positive about it. So Ruth says, all you tell me to do, I'll do. See, she's following the advice of the older woman. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as the mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and he was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now, uh, lots of... You can Google this. You got all these theologians. They all debate back and forth. No one quite knows what this revealing of the feet even means. But there's a general consensus that it's kind of a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) I used to speak English. Huh? Risqué. I used to speak English. That's good. (laughs) Risqué. So it's kind of a risqué thing to do. That's the word I used earlier, wasn't it? (laughs) Thank you for remembering my... uh, portable mind here. So is there, it's kind of a risque thing that she does. Look, this is the equivalent of her sneaking into uh, the boy's dorm. They're all men there. In fact, when he finally sees her and stuff, he says to her later, you got to get out of here before anybody sees you. So this is, you know, not something way too extreme. I don't think it was extreme. I don't think it was any more than what we see, but this was like, I don't know what the feet is. You know, That dude's got some hot feet. Well, I don't know what the deal is. But, uh, but he's sleeping. to even touch his, his blanket is, that's over the line. So she lays down, goes, look at the toes, okay? <laughs> and, then, and then she lays down It uh, says, at midnight, <clears throat> the man was startled because he turns over and there lying at his feet is a woman. <laughs> and he can't tell who she is, a stork, right? He goes, who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth, your servant. Ah, <laughs> remember me? We had lunch the other day. And then she says this, spread your cloak over your servant for I am your next of kin. Now, because it's not 21st century English, we don't get it. She asked him to marry her. This is what this means. I want you to marry me. Now, Simon, think about this. Boaz never asks Ruth to marry her. Boaz never makes any move towards her. She makes all the moves. The girls get it all worked out, the plan. She asks Boaz to murder her. And from this story, we have people go, yeah, women shouldn't make any moves. They should just, just be like Ruth and Boaz. And then people go, oh, okay. Ah, that's what the Bible says. Ah. No, just because someone says the Bible says it doesn't mean it says it. You need to check it out for yourself. So anyway, his response to that was, because Oh, oh, you're Ruth. Yeah, wow, yeah. You want me to marry? Wow. He says, well, may, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first, which was just a little lunch. He says, and you haven't gone after younger men, whether they're poor or rich. In other words, you've come after the old guy. I have heard that some women prefer older men. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but... Her initials are Deanna. Anyway, <laughs> so, so he praises her for this. And some of the things, there's people who think that's inappropriate. That's just so inappropriate going after Noah. You want to be like Ruth and Boaz? People. Anyway, so now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I'll do all that you ask for the assembly of my people. Know that you are a worthy woman, you're a good, you got a good reputation. But now, though it is true I am a near kinsman, there's another one more closely related, related. See, that's where we find out that boy says not the next one in line. They didn't care. They wanted the, the dude. So he says to her, listen, you got to get out of here <laughs> so nobody sees you. And, and let me go check and see if he wants you. And if he doesn't want you, then yeah, I'll take you. So he goes to the guy and says, you want her? He goes, I don't want her. He says, good, I'll take her. How romantic. All right, That's this This is the emotional moment of the story. Ah. So, and then they get married. And then <clears throat> that's where we get the great-grandfather of King David. That's even why it's even inserted here. So, fascinating stuff. Then we've got <clears throat> another example. Um, back in the 80s, when the economy was changing so much and women were really forced at this point, to go work uh, in the marketplace. At this point, pretty much women would just always stay at home. They were housewives, and they were just always at home. And uh, but then 80s kicks in, and now everything changes. And people, are, and then these pastors, ignorant and unlearned men, as far as I'm concerned, start having a fit, saying it's inappropriate for a woman to work outside the home. Women shouldn't work outside, and they shouldn't have somebody watch their children. That's just not biblical. All right, you need to be a Proverbs 31 woman. That's what the Bible says. And of course, all the Nimrods just go, okay. That's what the Bible says. I had a lady come into my office, once, tears. So what's wrong? She says, Pastor, I'm not a Proverbs 31 woman. So why do you think that? She says, I have to work outside the home, kids in daycare. I said, yeah. You ever read Proverbs 31? She goes, no. Let's read it together, shall we? Proverbs 31, verse 10. A wife of noble character. Who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Verse 15. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Remember the phrase female servants. I'm going to come back to that. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. The woman is into real estate. She's taken property. She improves it. She saws it takes the money, and builds other stuff with it. She sees that her trading is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she says, this is cool. I'm making some jack, jack. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. What about the husband? Verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. So she's working. He's sitting on his butt at the gate. I don't know what that's about. Verse 24, she makes linen garments. I thought she was into real estate. Well, she what is, but then she makes stuff and she sells them and supplies merchants with sashes. Let me ask you a question. When she's doing all this, who do you think is watching her kids? Servant. servant girls. How many of you had servant girls, you'd have them watch your kids when you're busy? Yeah. Now, if you got daughters, there's your servant girl right there. All right. You got sons? Make them servant boys. Whatever. Put them all to work. So, for, so she watches over the affairs of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise to call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Why? She is productive. She's making stuff happen. Charm is deceptive. Beauty's fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the city gates. From this, we are told that women should only be watching their own children, and they should not work outside the home. They should be home. Well, if you can do that, great. You know, look, I'm not advocating one way or the other. I'm just saying, if you can stay home and be great, fabulous. If your husband does really well, you see, it was one better than the other. I don't know. I, to me, this looks like this is highly praised. This is great. <laughs> and truth be told. I know some women who do stay home all the time with their children I think psychologically they could use a break <laughs> oh my goodness ah, they're right there with each other's the, the wits ends all this stuff a little break wouldn't hurt but to say that the Bible says that and this goes unchallenged because faster sound sound TV said you gotta be a frown study woman to stay home and millions millions of Christian women in America went okay this has to stop I don't care who says it. If I said it to anybody else, check and see if it's true. I don't know how anyone can even begin to get that picture from this verse. Or people make things up. You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says it, and yeah, nobody checks. And I had to come into my office, she was all upset. Pastor, I'm a bad woman. I said, Why? I, I yell at my children. I said, Do they need to be yelled at? Yeah. So who told you, you can't yell at your children? Well, the girls in my Bible study she says the Bible says you're not supposed to yell at your children. I said, yeah, because I know this girl. She's, she's Italian, right? So she's, Italians, Puerto Ricans, we're all, yeah! loud people. You know. uh, <laughs> I sat there for a minute and I said, let me ask you a question. These girls in your Bible study, she said, yeah. I said, are they by and large blonde, blue-eyed? And... Uh, Scandinavian backgrounds. She goes, how did you know? That's so sweet. And listen, I love these people. I've been in Sweden. My daughter was born in Gothenburg, Sweden. Fabulous people, fabulous culture. But from a Puerto Rican point of view, y'all you had your personality surgically removed at birth, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> these, these are quiet, faithful. They're very calm, faithful. You go from Sweden, go down to Italy. That's what we did. Got down to Italy, everyone is screaming. Everyone. Family members are screaming, strangers are screaming. Drive. They drive like drug addicts down. They're all over the road. and You should see it. It's highly entertaining or terrifying. I thought it was fun. <laughs> and I'm listening to all these people yell and scream, and I go, I love this place because that's the world that I come from, right? It's just that, Aah! I remember when I first married the blonde here. She says to me, stop yelling. I said, I'm not yelling. It's the way we talk. She goes, not anymore. Says <laughs> so I have to eat it. Just eat it, Mark. Just calm down. But to make one thing more holy than the other, and say, well, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't yell. At you. The Bible doesn't say that. And so she goes, around feeling horrible. Says so your children get mad when you yell at them. No. Does your husband get mad because you yell? No. And Then go yell. Get louder. Do whatever you got to do. I mean, the Bible not say anything about these sorts of things. We make things up and people say, well, that's what the Bible says and it doesn't say it. And it's amazing the impact it has on people. All of this to get to the point of today's message. Is the, is the coronavirus vaccine the mark of the beast? <sighs> well, let's go read it, shall we? Let's do that. Revelations, last book of the Bible, chapter 13, verse 11. Now, the first 10 verses, it talks about that there's going to happen, and, and this is prophesied throughout much earlier in the Bible, that someday there is going to be this man that is going to rise up. They call him, they're going to call him the Antichrist. The Bible calls him, people aren't going to call him that, the Bible calls him the Antichrist. He is going to be a person that just becomes a world conqueror. And for centuries, People have thought of this, of many people. Adolf Hitler, man, people, a lot of people thought this was the Antichrist. You know, all these different people pop out and, 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 uh, you know, and, and all these things and all these crazy things that happen in the world. They think, oh, this is the end, this is the end. We always think it's the end. Uh, it's going to be the end someday. But the Bible's very clear about this last person. So what's going to happen is, as you read, you can go back and read it yourself, <laughs> the point of today's message. And uh, so this guy comes And he's going to get mortally wounded. We don't know what it's going to... The Bible, I think it says something about, you know, the sword. he would probably get shot or something. I mean, these guys didn't have... know what guns were. By the way, can you imagine trying to describe modern warfare when he's seeing this stuff? How does he, you know, talk... I use all these different analogies, you know. Well, how do you describe a tank 2,000 years ago? You know what I'm saying? All this stuff. Uh, So anyway... This guy gets wounded and this other person comes along who's called the false prophet. And he's going to pray for, I believe prays for however it works. And this guy is going to be miraculously healed, not medically healed, miraculously healed. It would be like if we saw when we saw those of you my age and older, John F. Kennedy get shot in that vehicle uh, in Dallas. And someone goes, and his brain's all over the place, and someone goes over and prays for him, and all of a sudden, he sits up, and he's fine. Wow. That would be intense. This is what's going to happen, and the whole world is going to see what the Bible says. Now, up until not many years ago, people mocked this idea. Oh, the Bible. How's the whole world going to see it? Well, that was before we had Fox News and CNN and all these different things, worldwide television. Now you go, oh yeah, I guess they they will see it. Funny how the Bible knew these things. Anyway, so the whole world's gonna see it. So you got this beast and this false prophet, in this case, also referred to as the second beast, uh, which is actually an interesting thing. You know, throughout the Bible, you always see the one person, but then also the supporting person. Usually in the Old Testament, it was the king and the prophet, right? The king and the prophet. You ever ask yourself, how come it wasn't one guy? Why wasn't the prophet the king? He hears from God. I hear from the Lord. I'm spiritual. But it wasn't him. It was always the king. He had the authority. And sometimes uh, the king didn't necessarily hear from God. There's sometimes where the king got in big trouble because he didn't wait for the prophet. Uh, Moses had this when he first started out. And, but it's because Moses, was, he, he, he was afraid to speak. A lot of people are afraid to speak in public. Surveys have shown that people's greatest fear is to speak in front of a crowd they fear it more than death. I guess the worst is having to give a speech at your own execution. So anyway, so when you see these movies, so, so God says, Aaron, Aaron, you know, he'll speak for you. So you see these movies and Moses comes before Pharaoh and goes, let my people go. What are you saying? Moses, you know, that never happens. Moses never says anything. Moses stands there and He wants you to let the people go. Here's <laughs> you know how odd this is. And I think, who's the old guy? You know, he's the one in charge. How, why doesn't he talk? He wouldn't talk. There is Aaron. Now, eventually, Moses becomes quite the orator. If you read, we were talking about the five books of the Bible. The, five books of the, Bible. the fifth book of the Bible is the book of uh, uh, is it Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is Moses' final speech to the people. If I ever heard a speech that long, I would have visions of taking my own life. this I mean, who could talk this? For a guy who had a hard time talking, apparently he got over it, all right? But throughout the Bible, you have the one person who speaks into the other one. Even with Jesus, Jesus doesn't come until who comes first? John the Baptist. And John prophesies, he acts as the prophet for Jesus. You see this throughout the scripture. Uh, And you even see it at the end. You've got the prophet and then you've got the false prophet. You've got the beast and the false prophet, that second beast that is speaking into uh, this other person. You say, Why is that? I have no idea. I honestly don't know why. But it's interesting, you know, even in families, in homes, a lot of marriages, they don't understand this concept. You know, they understand that the husband's supposed to be the head and they think the woman just, you know, is, is nothing. No, you're, from my viewpoint, you're the prophet in the relationship. A lot of women get mad at their husband. You know, He's not spiritual. I'm more spiritual than he is. I read more than he does. I know the Bible better than he does. <clears throat> Good. Speak life into him. You know, that's the kind, that thing has always been there. That dynamic's always been Don't get mad about this stuff. <clears throat> Nobody's ever the one guy who knows everything. <clears throat> Let's read. Verse 11. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. But it spoke like a dragon. And the analogy was Satan was the dragon. It exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose, beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Can you imagine this? Not only is this guy healed, this guy, whoever is this guy, he can call fire and come down and just wow. People are going to fry when they see this. Because of the signs that it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast. So he's going to order that we need to create an image of this leader, whoever this is. Uh, And then the kicker is, uh, he speaks into the beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. So what happens? This guy, boom, this incredible healing of this wound that this guy gets. This guy's going to call fire out and do all kinds of miracles. We don't know what they are. That's the only one it mentions. And then he's going to have him build this, uh, image. And then at some point, people you are know, worshiping the image and he's going to speak to the image and it starts talking. Can you imagine? What that's going to do to people's minds they are going to fry and they are going to be and they're all going to be pushed worship the beast worship the beast and then they pass it the law if you don't worship the, you'll, you'll be killed all right and then and then this is where people get all freaked out today it also forced all people great and small rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands <laughs> or on their foreheads right hand forehead all right It's literally a mark. It's not a shot. All right? It's not a vaccine. It's a mark. Not on your arm or your butt. (laughs) Hand, forehead. And only in the context of this psycho guy running around, getting people to worship the devil and his beast and doing miracles and getting statues talking. Now, we've got some people in the news that are like statues talking. (laughs) Doc, Dr. Fauci, for one, yeah, and, and you just wonder, you know, how's it possible for a dumb thing to talk? Well, you have that example right there. But uh, <clears throat> don't write me an email. I don't want to hear it. It's my opinion. All right. <laughs> and people say, well, well, this, well, this is like, like it, because it says they can't buy or sell unless they have the mark. That's what it says here, right? Verse seventeen. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark. Well, that's what's happening. People aren't going to buy. They're going to lose their jobs. They're going to, you know, can't go to restaurants and everything. Oh, no, I get it. But that's not the mark of the beast. That's called totalitarianism. Are you hearing me? Mankind has dealt with totalitarian dictators for centuries. And eventually people rise up and knock them down. And then another one comes along and people rise up and knock them down. And And right now, we got a bunch rising up and we need to stand up and knock them back down. In my humble opinion, <laughs> going around telling everybody they gotta do this, that, and the other, you have no choice. Oh my goodness gracious, just fries my Puerto Rican pancakes. <laughs> so I think it's outrageous. I think it's inappropriate. I think it's unconstitutional. It's certainly an infringement on our rights. It is not, however, the mark of the beast. I've had, and the reason I'm, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, if, if, isn't that the mark of the beast? No. Well, I hear if you get the shot, it's going to change your DNA and you'll go straight to hell. (sighs) I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. So I don't know. But what it changes, I don't know. I suppose anything goes into your body, it changes you. If you have a cookie, your blood sugar is going to change, right? Eat enough cheeseburgers, you're going to change yourself into an early grave. (laughs) You know, it is what it is. And, and, and I get that, but it's not this, okay? Don't overreact. When somebody tells you that you're going to get this and you're going to hell because it's the mark of the beast, it is not that. Unless they're requiring you to worship the devil or some image, that, some talking statue or whatever. I mean, come on, guys. This isn't even close. The only thing that's close is they're restricting what you can or cannot do. Fine. That's been around for a long time. And that always needs to be resisted and fought against. But this is not the mark of the beast. Now, next week, we're going to pick it up and we're going to start talking more specifically. What about this? How do we do this? What does the Bible have to say about things like this? How do we respond to things? Because it gets into kind of gray areas that get a little confusing. So I'm going to deal with that, but we're going to have to wait till next week. So stay tuned and come back. (laughs) So I can tell you the rest of the story. All right, enough for today. We're going to turn to our time of communion this morning. Uh, Anyway, the bottom line of all this is read your Bible. Read your Bible. And if you read it and you're not sure what it means, go find people who understand what it means and have it explained to you. But just don't buy stuff because someone says it says it. All right, so we are now going to focus on what this is really about. Why we're here is because we celebrate Jesus. His body was broken for us on that cross so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says, whenever you do this, pause, reflect, and examine yourself. So let's all bow our heads as I pray a general prayer of forgiveness over all of us that are here. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, deed, or what we've done or maybe what we've left undone. If we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us, Father, of all of our sins. And as our heads are bowed and people are reflecting, if you've never taken that first step of faith where you ask Jesus into your life, why don't you do that right now? Just ask whether you're sitting here or you're watching online. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And you can start to experience this wonderful grace that we have been talking about all morning and singing about and celebrating. It's very powerful, very life-changing. The guilt of the world can be lifted off of your shoulders if you just let Jesus take the weight of your sins away. Amen. Amen.